Um, in fact, I would argue that the reason that we want to be creators, right? You think about when you're a kid and you're in kindergarten, you have crayons, you're constantly trying to create art, you're trying to create, we want to create things. That's because we are uh, many creators who are modeling um, our father, the mm. great creator, right? Yeah. And so those who want to start a business, I would say they're using their Christian instincts when they're doing that. Even if they're not distinctly a Christian, um, it is that common grace that they have that they know they should be creating. We should all be creating because we were created. Welcome to Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman. You're about to make the jump from the dishonest mainstream media into free and independent thought from key thought leaders on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Welcome to Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman. I am very excited today to have a guest with us that I just recently came into contact with, but I felt like his story was so interesting and inspiring that I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, so our guest today is Andrew Crapuchettes, and we're going to get to that last name in just a moment. But uh, he is the founder and CEO of Red Balloon. Red Balloon is a job listing company that connects like-minded businesses and Americans who seek the freedom to work without the fear of discrimination against personal beliefs. That used to be something that we would just be like, duh, but it doesn't really seem like that so much anymore. Uh, but uh, without the discrimination of personal beliefs, infringement on constitutional rights, or invasion of medical privacy. So, Andrew, thank you so much for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. So, um, your last name, I had to ask you how to pronounce it, and then when you pronounced it, it's worse than actually what I thought. Because um, I was going to give you, I was going to give you like this uh, French pronunciation, crapuche, right. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Crapuchette, so I thought I had a bad last name, um, but uh, how did that one fare with you during <laughs> you know, it was, elementary school? It was an amazing name to grow up with. It's actually Basque French, okay. um, so it's kind of in that area between uh, Spain, and, and so uh, they they tend to put different accents on things, and so it's just Crapuchette's. Um, and as you can imagine, you can do any number of oh, things yeah. with that. Um, I taught kids PE for a long time at my kid's school. And so these are preschoolers and kindergartners, and they all had to call me Mr. Crapuchettes. Um, and I think the worst pronunciation was Mr. Crap Your Pants. Um, which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 Crapuchettes. She's like, yes, Mr. Crap Your Pants. I'm like, you know what? Mr. C is fine. That'll yeah. be just great. So, Girls. Yeah, no, I've had, uh, I, I think it's fantastic, though, because if you go to a conference, Someone's like, oh, yeah, you're the guy with that horrible last name that we've been talking about for the last year. I'm like, yes. Name so recognition. It's, it's just a marketing tool. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's great, man. Um, and uh, I, I, I had a chance to talk with you the other day about your business. So I kind of want to dig into your backstory because I think that'd be really interesting for people to hear. Already, um, I think people get a at least a, a little bit of an idea of Red Balloon, but I want them, want them to see the man behind the, uh, the method. So tell us, uh, where where'd you come from? Where are you originally from? Yeah, so I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I did the dot-com thing down there. Um, I actually never went to college. I just realized that if you can program at the ripe old age of 16 in the Bay Area, uh, then you will be driving a convertible Mustang while all your friends are borrowing their mom's station wagon. So uh, I thought, why would I go to college while everyone's struggling to pay their bills? So I did that. Uh, I got to work with some really awesome people and got the opportunity to grow at a business. Starting at 16, I did seven different jobs over seven years for them. Um, and then at the ripe old age of 22, I was tired of traffic and liberals. And so I was an early adopter of getting out of the state of California, moved up to beautiful Idaho, and uh, ended up meeting my wife up here. The dot-com went out of business right around 2000, 2001. We went from 250 employees to 18 one day. Um, and that was just a skeleton crew to clean up the mess. Uh, so that was a bummer, but I learned a lot. And it was one of those companies where they had $32 million of VC funding. Mm -hmm. um, and it was um, really interesting lessons. And I got to um, go to Tokyo for business and... Um, you know, turned 21 on an expense account and just had a really great time. But it's funny when you're having a really great time, sometimes you just run out of money, yeah, which is happens. what happens. So I move up to Idaho. There's not a lot of jobs up here. So I thought, well, God has given me skills and abilities, so I should create jobs. And so I um, have started several businesses, actually, a 3D printing business, a student information software business, um, and then an economic data business that we ended up growing from three employees to about 280 
Um, and part of the goal of that business when we first started it was how do we have 50 employees earning over $50,000 a year in Moscow, Idaho? So 50 at 50 in Moscow, Idaho, because we thought that would actually move the needle on this town. How do we drive prosperity in this community? And a lot of that is the hard work involved in being an entrepreneur that creates jobs. Yeah. And so, again, we blew past that 50 at 50, but that was our original goal. Um, I ended up selling that business four different times, and I know it sounds like the guy who uh, has a bridge and sells it over and over again. It's not quite like that, uh, but I had less and less ownership every time I sold it. And at the end, I didn't have any ownership, and the board decided that I was a little too conservative and Christian for their liking. Mm. And so I found myself delightfully unemployed about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I thought, well, if this has happened to me, the CEO of a company that's growing quickly, creating a lot of profits, um, and really dominating the market, I bet it's going to happen to a lot of other people where they're going to lose their livelihoods because they're sticking with their convictions. Um, and as a side note, my sweet wife, when I lost my job, bought me a very expensive bottle of scotch as a way to go for holding the line, holding your convictions. You lost your job, um, which is, you know, good awesome. wife, good so, wife there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so now I'm unemployed and I'm doing a housing development in town. I'm restoring some historic buildings. Um, and I thought, well, um, I should create a job board with a thesis around freedom. What if we had freedom in the workplace again? Because what I saw, when you create a work environment where culture is strong and healthy and honestly Christian, then people, whether they're a Christian or not, are going to thrive in that culture. Um, and I would like people to be prosperous. So yeah. I create redballoon.work as a job board with a thesis around freedom. Not too complicated. Job boards are not that hard of a technology to create. They're a very difficult business to build, but they're um, not that hard of a technology. So I create this thing, and I'm like, okay, you know, done my job. I have created redballoon.work. Uh, called Red Balloon because if you've ever been on a hot air balloon, it's a little bit terrifying and a lot bit fun, mm. kind of like looking for a new job. And people are moving to red states or red regions of blue states or red businesses to look for freedom. Uh, so redballoon.work comes out of that. I'm like, yeah, no big deal. I created a job board. I'm done. And then uh, my best sales rep, whose name is Joe Biden, um, comes out with a vaccine mandate and says, hey, um, we think that employers should force something on their employees that generally would be a good conversation for the employee to have with their doctor, not their HR department. Uh, and then I'm on Fox and Friends and all the other things. And then lo and behold, here we are. Redballoon.work is my full-time job. And we have thousands of businesses. And we've had millions of job searches, hundreds of thousands of job seekers, um, and it's been really fun because we've helped place thousands and thousands of people in businesses and jobs where they can live their values out loud, where they can have the joy that comes yeah, from a hardworking great. day again, right? Yeah. When you don't have office politics, when you don't have wokeness in the workplace, but you can actually just focus on bringing value and working hard at it. Um, it is actually deeply, deeply joyful. So there's my story and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. Yeah, that, that gives us kind of the full terrain there. So I want to step back for just a moment and talk to you about um, traffic and liberals that you said you were tired of in San Francisco. Because yeah. what's interesting to me about your business um, is that I think there's job boards are always kind of important for in you know places for uh, for people to find jobs are always uh, you know a necessity especially in a place where the job market especially a post pandemic uh, job market is really hemorrhaging and suffering greatly. However, your niche market based upon you know the introduction that I just gave is is one of kind of uh, one of freedom, one of kind of personal freedom and uh, helping people find their jobs, f finding jobs where they their deeply held beliefs are not going to be infringed upon. And that's interesting to me because I don't think that that niche market would have existed prior to 2020 as much as it does today, except um, this is one thing I cover a lot on my show, except in um, the one thing that most people don't tolerate if you're on the left, which is Christian evangelicalism. Um, yeah. So so there's a name for every kind of hate except for hatred towards Christian evangelicals. So like you can be a homophobe, right. you can be an Islamophobe, uh, you can be um, a transphobe, you can be all of these things, but there is no actual name for somebody who has a hatred towards a Christian evangelical. And it's right. interesting because I've spent some time in San Francisco too, um, and I know that everything goes in San Francisco except 
Christianity. Um, yeah. And I and maybe that's not, that's not entirely fair, but you, you certainly get that impression going out there, right? You can you can protect the sea turtles' uh, eggs, but if you talk about you know abortion, then you're some kind of um, uh, Christian, you know, uh, Shiite Christian or something like that. So um, so growing up in San Francisco, how did you develop conservative views? Yeah, uh, no, that's a good question. Um, so I was in the South Bay, so down by Palo Alto, uh, Los Altos area, okay, um, which is still um, a hotbed of liberalism. Where Stanford is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, my dad actually went to Stanford. I was born at Stanford Hospital. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family, and we were in, a, in an evangelical church. I was plugged in. We were part of Awanas. I actually was homeschooled. Uh, partly because I was in a Christian school early on, and I am wildly dyslexic, and so everything was backwards. And uh, the teacher actually sat down with my parents and said, he doesn't belong in school. He needs to be uh, basically on the short bus and um, and not in the school with other kids. And my mom's like, actually, he gets jokes, so I think he um, does have abilities to hmm. be smart at some point, we like to believe. Mom uh, actually prayed every day that I'd be able to support a family someday. So I was kind of insulated from a lot of the stupidness, um, in part because I was a homeschooler. And honestly, being a homeschooler 40 years ago in the Bay Area in California um, was just not cool at that point. And in right. fact, was probably illegal. We actually ran drills for if the Child Protective Services showed up um, or the school superintendent showed up because we wow. weren't supposed to be doing this. But, uh, but it also put me in a position where I had some deeply held um, beliefs and super plugged into our church um, and uh, just wonderful parents that raised me to love Jesus, read my Bible. I remember the day when I was 16 and I came to my mom, I'm like, man, I want to be wise. And she's like, are you reading your Bible every day? I'm like, mm, not really. She's like, then there you go. Easy. Go do it. Um, so I'm sure that that has a dramatic impact on your uh, outlook on life and your worldview. Yeah. I'm curious too, if um, and I don't want to make too much of this, but I think if you go to a very liberal, left-leaning place like San Francisco, where people get um, attacked in their underwear with hammers, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you go to a place like San Francisco, you really do get this impression. So I'm curious if you've put any thought to, and maybe you, this is totally off base, but if you put any thought to your Christian upbringing in a kind of competitive environment like San Francisco, yeah. and if that didn't sow into kind of your entrepreneurial bent that you have towards kind of, you know, going against the grain, trying new things, and maybe being a little bit more adventurous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, um, if you have ever been on a March for Life in San Francisco yeah, come on. and had condoms thrown at you and all kinds of other things that I won't say here on, uh, it does bolster you a little bit. We, had, we For about two years, we went to a church, an Orthodox Presbyterian church in San Francisco. The pastor yeah. was Chuck McElhaney, and he spoke out pretty um, clearly on homosexuality and that we love the sinner, but that is sin, and that lifestyle is wrong, and it actually destroys society. And we would often have to fight through picket lines to go to church on Sunday morning, and that does change your outlook on, hey, am I in a cultural war? Am I in a cultural fight? And I would argue that anyone who, um, anyone who realizes they're in a death match first is going to win, hmm. right? And I would say the left has realized they were in a death match culturally for a long time, and the Christians are just starting to wake up to it. But, you know, when I think about Red Balloon, this is very much more of an in-your-face company than, um, than many out there because we're saying, no, you cannot infringe on the uh, freedom of your employees. You need to respect them. Uh, and we've definitely gotten some hate over doing that, but compared to fighting through picket lines and people trying to firebomb the church, like, ah, that's not that bad. I mean, what's the worst they're going to do? Say mean things on Twitter? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it definitely does change your outlook. And, you know, I had a good friend who was in Austin, and during all the lockdowns in Austin, they moved up to, uh, was it South Dakota, wherever it was freer. Um, <laughs> and they wrote me, and they said, hey, it looks like there's crazy people up here too. And I said, the deal is you're always going to be in a fight, but you can decide who you're fighting with. Yeah. Right. Are you fighting alone? Are you all by yourself or are you actually in the fight with other people? And so um, I would agree that Red Balloon would not have had as much demand pre um, pandemic. I mean, pandemic. Yeah. Um, and uh, but we're now in a moment in history 
uh, where conservatives are waking up a little bit and they're realizing uh, there is a play that's being run on us and we need to stop letting that be run on us. Yeah. And so that, I think, is a big driver of what uh, the demand has been for Red Balloon and pl places like Public Square or Parlor or any of these alternative economy businesses that are kind of popping up all over the country right now. Yeah, there's so much there that I want to talk about, but I'll just I'll dig into this because um, I want to get to Red Balloon kind of more substantively in a moment. But um, so you're in Moscow, Idaho now. I am. Yep. So you're in a uh, you're in a place too that's gotten some exposure recently because of Doug Wilson and some of the things he's doing with his church. Um, so uh, the term Christian nationalism is being thrown around as a slur to uh, I think explain away the excesses of the left and to try to smokescreen those things. Uh, but you didn't right. you didn't particularly move into a place that's very uh, uh, very welcoming to conservatives either. So what's uh, yeah. what's your experience been like in in Moscow? Moscow. Yeah, no, it's it, it's been extraordinary. I say We're experience in a, Moscow. I, it's almost like that. Uh, anyway. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, we're build we're working hard to build a Christ centered biblical community that if the Bible says it and we believe it, it should have an impact in every area of our lives. Yeah, I totally right? agree with this. Yes. And you saw when we decided we would do a psalm sing when they said you can't open the church unless everyone's wearing a mask, and so we went and did a psalm sing. Um, in the parking lot of City Hall without masks. Several people got arrested. The city had to apologize for that because they realized they were out of bounds by arresting those people. But they also didn't pass any more mask laws here in town because they knew they didn't have the horses to get that done. And so you have a town of, call it 25,000 people. You have a reasonably large university, so that produces that uh, pretty left influence on the town. But then you also have a farming community all around us. So the county is actually fairly conservative. The mm -hmm. town is liberal because of the university. But with a town of 25,000 people, we have fifteen to 1,700 people every Sunday morning worshiping. And if you include Trinity, which is another Reformed church in town, um, you're over 2,000 people that are worshiping God every Sunday morning that are looking to apply the Bible to every area of your life. And that is causing a lot of friction in town because mm -hmm. when Christians actually believe it Imagine and that. they say, okay, if the Bible says this, I should run my business this way, I should raise my family this way, I should decorate my building for Christmas this way because it's important. Um, it is much more out there than me and my Jesus, you know, in my heart. And so that is causing a lot of friction in town. Um, but it's friction that, of course, you're going to have this. What was the Anglican preacher who said when the Apostle Paul showed up in a town, um, there was either a riot, a revival, or both. Yeah. And he said, when I show up in town, they serve tea. Like, yeah. what am I doing wrong? Um, yeah. We should be engaging culture, and it should have impacts that are not always pleasant in the short term, but are absolutely the right thing in the long term. That's so good, because I think that we get this impression that compassion is the, the ability not to ruffle feathers. And I think that's right. what we have kind of, as Christians in the past, identified or qualified love with is just making people like us. Um, that's been the goal for the seeker sensitive church for the longest time is just to make sure people yep. like us. And the problem with that is that there is no command to be nice in the Bible. Um, and in fact, if there was, Jesus didn't get crucified because he was nice. He got crucified Correct. because, uh, <laughs> because there were some things that he said that people didn't like. And I think we're coming to this realization, at least I hope in, anymore, we're coming to this realization that neutral territory is important yep. where it can be found, but is less than we might think. And there is a yep. place where we need to take a stand. And if we do so, it is there are going to be residual effects and repercussions to that stand. And Christians in America for the longest time did not feel any of that. Um, and I think yeah. more and more we're starting to wake up to the realization if you're actually going to be a Christian acting out your faith in the marketplace in the real world, then you're going to have to take a stand and you're going to have to um, pay the price for that. And and so in some ways I lament that we are in the place that we're in, but in a lot of ways I rejoice because while I'm a uh, practical pessimist, I'm a theological optimist, and I know that God is yep. doing all of this stuff for our good. And maybe perhaps one of the things is is that it produces things like Red Balloon in the crucible of all of these kind of crossfire things and creates a place where now people who 
um, perhaps didn't want to get vaccinated can go find a job where they don't have to be forced to shove an experimental uh, vaccine down their uh, blood vessels and um, and they can they can actually work in peace. So um, so I'm very interested in Red Balloon kind of real large. So how do you guys vet the businesses that become a part of Red Balloon so that you can safely say, hey, these are businesses that are ethical. They're not woke. They're not going to try to do the DEI thing with with you as an employee or, or whatnot. Yep. How do you vet these businesses so that they become a part of Red Balloon? Yeah, it's really actually pretty straightforward. We have every business sign a pledge, but anybody could sign a pledge. You can lie on pledges, right? Sure. But sign a pledge that they believe that they will protect the freedom of their current and future employees up to and including uh, medical privacy, um, which again, this should not be rocket science. This should not actually be that exciting. Right. Every job board in America should have this kind of thing. So Red Balloon shouldn't even ne be needed, but unfortunately the wokeness in the workplace um, is very much making it needed, right? Sure. So um, they signed that pledge, but then uh, once they've signed up, our team actually goes and checks out their website and looks like, look, are you pushing for a lot of these woke ideologies? And we actually have had some conversations with people who had a big BLM or a black square on their site. And we'd be like, so what's behind that? And they're like, well, doing this or that. We're like, so you realize that's actually a Marxist organization trying to destroy the fabric of America. And they're like, no, I didn't realize that. And we're like, well, here's some documentation. And they're like, oh, okay, well, well, we'll pull that down. Can we post jobs? Because we want the type of people that are on redballoon.work. Mm, that's a great point. Uh, yeah. And so it, it has been just a wonderful process to get to know a lot of businesses. And most of that's not even a conversation, right? You go on their site, and they are clearly you know, faith, family, freedom-focused, um, and um, – and it has been such a blessing. I mean, the stories we get from employers saying things like, every person I hire off redballoon.work is cleansing to my culture. Hmm. They are the type of people that change the culture of the business for the positive because they are hardworking conservatives who want to actually make me money. Uh, which is kind of funny. They say, you know, I had yeah. one person say, look, a lot of the liberals don't understand capitalism. Yeah. They think I am an entitled employee. I'm a snowflake in the HR department, and you should pay me more money for that. I, I have Whereas to ask you about this, Andrew, yeah. because this is the thing that boggles the mind, because everything you're saying is absolutely fact. Um, so Correct. Uh, yep. conservatives are going to be the people who um, are a little bit more agreeable. They're more likely to, um, uh, to go to work and not protest during a work day. They're also the ones who are less likely to take yoga classes midday and also demand yep. lattes. And uh, they're, they're going to be a lot less fickle in, the, in that way. And I'm not just picking here. I mean, there's um, all sorts of personality studies that go into this kind of thing that show kind of conservatives are typically more hardworking people, typically um, uh, blue collar and that kind of stuff. And, um, and so it, it boggles the mind to me that corporate America keeps on walking down the primrose path towards the kind of DE, DEI style of, of kind of management when all they're doing is sowing into the people that will be the biggest headache to them later on. And I mean, I think about That's like right. Netflix and um, and and the Dave Chappelle special, and it's just like, do your job, bro. Like, it, <laughs> right? We're the ones that pay you to do what you're told to do, so do your job. And it's just right. like, where do you see the conservatives that are doing anything other than just saying, hey, I just demand to be able to work without being forced to do something outside of my job that has nothing to do with my job that I don't want to do. So I don't, I don't know. I, I guess the question in and of all, all of that is just. Um, one, do you see a wake up for corporate America on the horizon? Or are they going to keep on doubling down towards this kind of woke workplace culture? And um, right. is, is this experiment going to explode in their face because it caters to a group of people who actually um, are petulant? Yeah, um, I, I think there has to be it, it is going to blow up in their face. I don't think there's any way around that. And you're seeing that with Twitter right now, right, where yeah. you've got a lot of unproductive employees. I mean, the productivity at Twitter right now is probably at an all-time low, but has been probably low for years now. Right. Because when you spend your time caring about the, you know, skin-deep diversity, as I call it, you know, like, hey, because you have different skin color, you're automatically going to be diverse. Um, that's not actually the case. That's not diversity. You can have um, a white person and a black person with very similar experiences, and they're not actually diverse yeah. um, in their experiences. You want people who have different points of view, who are going to push on your business in different directions. And if you can do that, 
then you're not just skin deep diversity. You're actually the diversity that will cause success at your business. Yeah. Um, and I know Vivek Ramaswamy in his book, uh, Woke Inc., talks a lot about, he thinks that a lot of it started with that Occupy Wall Street movement back in about 2008. All these people are saying corporations are bad. Corporations are like, hey, we're not dummies. Who has the biggest microphone in the society yeah. that can tell everybody that we're good and not bad? And the answer was the liberal media. And what does the liberal media want to hear? A bunch of woke ideology coming out of these corporations. And I think a lot of CEOs at this point kind of abdicated the culture building of their company. They handed it off to HR and said, here, you fix this. I want to focus on the business. And I want the media to say all kinds of nice things about me. And the only way I can get them to do that is to espouse crazy doctrines that don't make any sense at all. So if I'm Nike, I can say, hey, slavery is really bad. And we need critical race theory in the company while using effectively slave labor in Asia to build their tennis shoes. Yeah, right. right? But as long as they're saying the right things, um, then they can get away with all that stuff. The problem is doctrine comes out your fingertips. And when you espouse these views and all of a sudden you're believing them and your employees are believing them, now you're on a roller coaster ride that's not going to end well because people are not focused on bringing value to the company. They're focused on what the company can do for them and make them feel good in their social justice crusade. Um, so I think it's going to end badly um, and i think is already starting to show some of the creaks and groans that are going to come along with that yeah do you think we're at the end i guess maybe more importantly because this is kind of the backdrop for the genesis of red balloon do you think we're beyond the days of um of medical invasion of privacy uh did we learn our lesson with covid do you think that um I mean, with any luck, a red wave is coming and we don't have to worry about this, at least for the next couple of years. But, um, you know, I can't help but wonder if we're just waiting for the next thing to come along to uh, to become the way in which people are controlled. Absolutely. No, there's there's going to be another thing. It's going to be another woke thing. Is it medical privacy? Maybe. I don't know. I just had someone write me this morning that said they're working for a company in Boston and they're doing they're they're tightening down their vaccine mandates for the company and this person's going to lose their job they were able wow. to get a religious exemption last time but they don't think they're going to be able to get one this time um and it wasn't too many months ago there was a study showing that over 40 percent of all businesses in america still had a covid vaccine mandate mm -hmm. so this issue is still very much alive and well it's not in the media in the same way it's not the uh, wild panic that i think we had originally because there are other businesses out there um but no this is one of many things along this road to wokedom um, that a lot of these companies are going down, and I don't know that they're going to be able to turn those ships around. You know, I don't know yeah. that it's it. You know, could be more of an Ayn Randian moment where all the conservatives are like, you know what, we're propping up these businesses, we're allowing them to um, go on social justice crusades while we get all the work done. Um, if all those people left Facebook or Twitter or any of these other places, I think the the a lot of those companies would just implode on, under their own weight. Yeah. So I, it'll be an interesting moment to see how the next several years plays out. And I'm just excited that RedBalloon.Works is part of that story. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I think uh, I was just thinking of Brave New World as we were talking, and I was thinking the cure yeah. for some of that was this primitive person that was kind of a blast from the past that questioned all of the preconceived notions of the age. So it was almost this conservative ideology and the embodied in a person in Brave New World that kind of sent yep. the, the totalitarian empire crashing to its to its knees. And so um, I think we can prognosticate and I think there's actually some some helpfulness to prognosticating about what the future may look like. But I think we truly know that the answer to changing the world, making a difference is for a couple of people to stand up. And it sure seems that Red Balloon uh, has done that. And um, so I'm curious, uh, how many people have you guys reached with Red Balloon at this point in time or posted in positions? Yeah, um, we don't know everybody that we've been able to get into jobs. We know that there's been uh, many thousands of applications through the job board. Uh, we know that we've had 700,000 unique people on the site. We've had a million and a half almost um, unique job searches by individuals looking for freedom. Um, but what we do know is we get these stories from people. I had this lady write me and say, so you have just saved our marriage, wow. right? And you're like, wait a minute, with a job? But you think about, so a vocation is a really important part of someone's life. It's how they 
um, how they identify in a lot of ways, right? When you meet someone new, you say, what do you do? And you're asking them what their job is, but you realize that that question betrays that it's not just a nine to five hobby, it's what you do. It's a defining feature of your life. It's your vocation, right? Mm -hmm. So she wrote and said, you have saved our marriage because my husband has spent the last 10 years working for a company that hated his worldview, but he was making them a lot of money, right? Uh, but he would come home just depressed and beat down by this woke ideology that I think is actually a liturgy designed to tear down the American worker. Um, but that's maybe a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. But she, she said, but he is now working for a company where he found a job at redballoon.work. He now has freedom. He now has joy at work. He is more engaged with the kids. He's more engaged with the community. And our marriage has never been better. Uh, we hear stories. I was talking to another couple, and this lady just gives me a bear hug at a conference. She says, you've changed the trajectory of our family because we now work for someone that allows us to live our values out loud. Yeah. That is, um, and, and we just have more courage because it's easy to be courageous when you know that there's an employer who has your back if you are courageous, right? And so this is my um, impassioned plea to anyone who's listening who, is post, who wants to post jobs. When you post a job, you are giving courage to American workers because when you're brave, when you say, hey, I will hire you if you're brave at work and it costs you your job, I've got your back and I will employ you. So every time someone posts a job on Red Balloon, um, angels don't get their wings, but an, an employee yeah. does get courage at work, knowing yeah. that if they stand up, if they live their values out loud, if they come out conservative, as it were, in their company, that if it costs them their job because they did the right thing, that there's other people out there that will hire them, which yeah. I think is really, really I, I love the cyclical nature of what you're doing because you're emboldening entrepreneurs to start businesses that um, they're not even positive, perhaps, that they can get off the ground. And then they, um, and that emboldens then them to uh, uh, find employees that help them in their business and um, support the cause of that business. And, um, and it just kind of seems like this cyclical ecosystem that, um, that feeds off itself. So I really love that because the one thing that, I'm, that I know is a reality of starting a business is that it takes a lot of courage to believe that you can actually do something audacious. Um, you have yep. to put your chips on the table and you have to sometimes even take risks that uh, where you're throwing caution to the wind and you don't know if you can actually perform. So any asset to kind of help a person in that position is is an incredible asset. And to kind of like illustrate the, the difficulty of entrepreneurial um, uh, entrepreneurism and starting a business, but then also to entering a marketplace that's pretty competitive. Because I mean, like even you, like you got Indeed and you've got all of these places. LinkedIn, I suppose, oh, yeah. is maybe a competitor in a roundabout way. But nonetheless, um, uh, I think about what Elon Musk just recently did at Twitter. And um, it not only was it incredibly epic, not only was it very, very um, probably a little bit selfishly satisfying to see liberals lose their stuff as he took oh, over. Big time. Uh, yep. Not only was it totally awesome to see him do like that epic dad joke by bringing in the sink, but um, but it was also this reminder that like billionaires are not always going to be able to come to the rescue. And if you think about right. like creating a business in the social media space right now, totally inundated by leftists. It, it's it's understandable that people would be thinking to themselves, boy, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to make a dent. And in all fairness, Parler did a really great job, but was not able to do what they set out to do in terms of really entering that space and creating an alternative. Suffice to say, I think it's really super important to create the kind of alternatives that you're creating at Red Balloon. Um, but what do you tell people who are entering a very competitive marketplace that seems inundated by the left? Um, how do you encourage those guys yeah. to actually believe that they're actually going to be able to make a dent? Well, the reality is you need to not just do an also ran like, oh, well, you know, Twitter does this. So we're going to do the same thing. But, you know, with a with a flag in the background kind of thing, I think right. there's you're, you're going to be able to make some headway doing that because a lot of Americans, you know, I was talking to. A uh, good friend of mine down in the Bay Area, he's like, look, if there was a made in America conservative car, I don't care if it was a junk car, I would buy it because I'm tired of giving money to liberals, right? So it, there's definitely a section of our society right now that is really, really to do almost anything to get out of this, um, the ecosystem that is totally woke. Uh, that being said, conservatives need to not just do a thing and call it better. 
because it's conservative. They need to do a thing and actually have it be better. We need to be the hardest mm -hmm. workers. My argument would be if we know the creator of the universe, we should be the best at business. We should be the best at any of our jobs. And yeah. so my challenge at Red Balloon is I need to not just be conservative indeed. I need to be better than indeed. I need to be more creative. I need to be um, scrappier, more courageous, more joyful. Uh, than what they're doing in a part uh, in addition to being the conservative version of what they're doing. So uh, I, I think that's going to be the challenge is a lot of conservatives are just trying to do, well, a similar version of what's already been done, but yeah. with a conservative twist. Um, and I think that's fine, but it's it's not going to win in the long term on the long term. We need to do better than that. So like one of the things we're doing at Red Balloon is we realize a lot of these small companies and entrepreneurial businesses um, nobody likes to write a job posting, and people are afraid. What are they allowed to ask in an interview process? Right? Mm -hmm. What are you allowed to ask if I want to not get someone in here who's going to wreck my culture and wreck my business? And so now Red Balloon is saying, "Look, for a thousand bucks a month, only a thousand bucks a month, we will write your job postings for you. We will put them in front of the largest database of patriots um, in America, maybe on the planet." And then we will actually do the first interview for you to screen candidates so that we know that they're a good fit for the culture of your company, right? And there's not really anybody else out there doing that, but we want to give rest and joy to the companies that are on redballoon.work. So we post your jobs, we write your jobs, and we do the first screening on your candidates, and we only bring people to you that we know are going to be a good fit for your culture. Well, doing that... Um, not only checks the this is a conservative box, but it also is, oh, okay, if I'm a company and I don't want to pay $20,000 to a recruiter or I don't want to pay $20,000 to Indeed to get thousands of candidates that I don't want, um, this is a different way of doing things. And so that's what I would encourage entrepreneurs who are kind of jumping into this freedom economy, into this courageous economy. Figure out a different, better way that's going to be a deep blessing to your customer, and you will probably succeed if you're willing to put in the hard work of doing that. Yeah. I, I think we've uh, allowed in, especially in the church perhaps, for kind of the heavy lifting to be done for us. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Andy Crouch, but Andy Crouch yeah. wrote a, um, a book called, um, I think it's called Culture Making, um, and he kind of illustrates three steps. The first step is to critique culture. The second step is to mimic culture. And the third step is to create culture and says ultimately that Christians either stop with one or two. Um, and yep. I, I would say probably it's fair to say that in the 80s with the religious right, very often we were critiquing culture. And then in the 90s, especially with the seeker sensitive movement, we were kind of mimicking culture. And we've kind of created that to a fine art. But I think we're realizing now that as culture, culture begins to crumble all around us, as cancel culture culture begins to like cannibalize people and um, and woke culture just starts to, um, you know, eliminate uh, diversity of, of opinion in, in the workplace and that kind of thing, uh, that we're understanding that we can't just mimic culture, but we've got to start creating culture. So parallel yeah. economy is something I first got turned on to it by Dan Bongino and him just saying the word. And then I started to yeah. research it a little bit more. Um, and I really do believe that it's a calling for the church, but I believe it's a calling for just patriots and um, freedom-minded people to go out there, create businesses. Um, I'd love to see how, um, maybe you've got some examples of the ways in which conservatives have created businesses in their spaces that are more competitive. Um, you did that with Red Balloon, but I'm wondering if you've seen that too. So that may be a little abstract, but I'll give you an example in my neck of the woods. Um, yeah. There's a place called Mission Barbecue that is just kind of a um, it's, it's, I don't think it's national, but it's a chain. But ultimately what they do is mission barbecue is, has one focus to create great barbecue and to support veterans in the process. And so every single, right. uh, afternoon for lunch, they stop everything. The kitchen stops and they turn on the national anthem. They ask everybody to get up if they would to salute the flag and to recite yeah. the pledge. Um, and so they do that every single day. And then they also pledge that some of the proceeds are going to go to help support veteran causes and, and that kind of thing. And so not only are they creating barbecue, but they're also creating um, a, an atmosphere that I think a lot of Americans are inclined to do, which is respect veterans mm -hmm. and respect people who have uh, laid down their life for our, for our country. And I think little things like that are exactly kind of the parallel economy that we need if yep. the left is going to continue down its path. And I believe ultimately if they do, it will blow up. Then ultimately what has to happen is there needs to be a structure that people can run to 
or at least that they can rely upon in the midst of all of these things being destroyed. And so I think we have to start acting now, and maybe even now is too late, but certainly we need to do it if we haven't. Um, start creating businesses that in the, um, in the instance that, that woke companies really do self-implode, that there are other companies out there that are welcoming, that are loving on people, that are appreciating people, that care about freedom and desire to create a healthy workplace for others. So I That's guess right. maybe you could speak to that, but also too, I'm curious if you've seen some kind of creative businesses out there that are that are actually trying to create that welcoming environment in midst of the kind of woke cannibalism that takes place in corporations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and, and you, we need to remember that sometimes you need to start with you know uh, table stakes of you know if I'm a job board and I don't allow you to just post jobs and put them in front of people, um, then you know I can innovate all I want, but you do have to you know do things just like Indeed's doing, just like ZipRecruiter's doing. And I see right. that, you know, you look at like a public square and what they're doing with uh, where they're trying to be the conservative Yelp out there. And they've got 30,000 businesses who have raised their hand and said, look, we care about freedom um, and we are happy to align with this brand. So that's super encouraging and they've been able to accomplish that. But you need to remember that Yelp got hundreds of millions of dollars of investment right. to create the scale that they're at today. Um, and you think, is Yelp even still around? It is, and it's doing quite well. So, but I think that's, uh, we need to understand, first you start with the sta table stakes of like, okay, what's the minimum that we need to be able to do? But my encouragement is don't stop there, right? And that's where you look at somebody like Public Square, and they're like, okay, so fantastic. First, we're going to be the Yelp of the conservative freedom indie economy. Next, they're like, okay, so what's the thing that would be a huge blessing to all of these companies? Well, a lot of companies today, a lot of businesses around America are owned by baby boomers who are looking to sell their business, looking to transition out, um, but they don't want to sell it to someone who is going to destroy it or take it in a woke or left direction. And so Public Square is then like, okay, so now we've got this huge database of businesses. How do we deeply bless them? Well, because they're Christians and they can innovate and think about those things, they're not just going to stop at what Yelp is doing. They're like, okay, can we help broker deals or at least be a connection between people who want to invest in or buy small businesses around the country who also believe that you know God is the creator of the universe and America has Christian foundation. Can we connect those people with these baby boomers who would like to leave their business but leave their business in good hands, right? So that's just an example of that's how you innovate and you think differently because you really want to bless your customers. Mm -hmm. It's a very different experience than just I'm trying to make as much money as I can on my customers. And I gave you the example about Red Balloon. And there's a lot of other ones out there, even little things like coffee shops. You know, I'm going to create the best coffee. So you got to do the table stakes. This is the thing that I do. But how do I have an environment where people walk in and they're like, man, what's different about this place? I just right. want to be here. And often it's the love of Christ, right? And they don't, um, and people coming to the coffee shop, they don't have to necessarily believe it to feel it. I remember I used to, when I was running my big business, we'd have a user's conference, and I would have um, university presidents and people who dramatically disagreed with me on a worldview front. They would come to the user's conference, and they're like, man, I don't know why, but I just love hanging out with you all. It's just so joyful and happy, and it's just different. I don't know how to put my finger on it. And I'm like, I know exactly why, but I can't, yeah. I'm not going to tell you right now. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I did tell them. But... Uh, but it's that kind of thing that I think Christians and conservatives need to take care of the table stakes, do your job, but also start to innovate and think, how do I totally change this experience so it's a blessing to my customers? And with that mindset, you can actually be very successful in business. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm, and both of us know Michael Seifert at Public Square, and uh, he yeah. has done some pretty innovative things with, uh, with his business, uh, as I guess you guys have too in terms of creating uh, I, this is what i've been told long ago is that um i'm not no great entrepreneur but i've been told at least this that businesses either do something better than other businesses or they create a or they uh, meet a need that's not being met in the market and so you yep. saw a need uh in the market when people were being fired because of vaccine issues or uh people oh, yeah. are having to leave their businesses because they're doing things that they don't agree with or maybe even supporting causes that uh yeah. that they find fundamentally against their their faith um 
And so you saw this market need to reach this um, ever-growing group of people who are being disenfranchised with corporate America and to, and to reach that need. And so all great businesses find that need and then serve that need uh, well. Because at the end of the day, I, I think there is something deeply... Um, I, I'm going to get in trouble with this, I guess, but deeply Christian about capitalism, um, and not necessarily, but deeply Christian about capitalism. And Adam Smith was a Christian, by the way, invisible hand, that invisible hand was God's hand. Um, yep. uh, but deeply Christian about capitalism in a way, and then deeply Christian about entrepreneurism. Because if you do entrepreneurism right, like the Dale Carnegie style of entrepreneurism, you realize that ultimately what you're doing is you're serving others. You're trying to yeah. create a place where people can... Um, can have their needs met, and and Dale Carnegie was was great at this when he when he basically posited in his book how to win friends and influence people that ultimately if you can find out what other people want and do that thing, then you'll win them for life. But you'll also create a better work environment. You'll create a better business and a better bottom line, and all of that stuff just kind of flows in together. So suffice yeah. to say, I mean, I think what you guys are doing at Red Balloon is so, so super cool um, for a number of different reasons, um, not the least of which is that you're helping people who might otherwise be unemployed, um, but then also to creating a parallel economy and helping support businesses who wish to do the same. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I'll give you one last minute to kind of share whatever you want to about Red Balloon or even maybe make a comment about that. Uh, but then I want to tell people how to connect with you. Yeah, um, no, and I would I would agree with your comment that capitalism actually is Christian. Um, in fact, I would argue that the reason that we want to be creators, right? You think about when you're a kid and you're in kindergarten, you have crayons. You're constantly trying to create art. You're trying to create. We want to create things. That's because we are uh, many creators who are modeling um, our father, the mm -hmm. great creator, right? Yeah. And so those who want to start a business, I would say they're using their Christian instincts when they're doing that, even if they're not distinctly a Christian, um, it is that common grace that they have that they know they should be creating. We should all be creating because we were created by the great creator. Um, yeah. That would be my argument for that. Um, yeah, how to get in touch with Red Balloon and all the things we're doing. Um, we are seeking to be the labor exchange for this alternative economy. We want to be in a position that if you're a business who wants employees that are going to make you money and be joyful at work, and not destroy your business, that you're gonna to wanna to come to Red Balloon. I re recently had uh, Louder with Crowder called us up and said, look, we need a showrunner, and um, that is a position that we would not trust Indeed or ZipRecruiter or anybody else to help uh, us fill. Yeah. We trust Red Balloon because you're willing to hold the line, you're willing to be courageous in the face of this cultural battle that we're in today. And so that would be an encouragement to people is be courageous. Um, is it going to be really painful in the short term? Absolutely. Michael Seifert was talking about some of the businesses that got on Public Square lost business because of it. Wow. But guess what? They gained other business, and it was the kind of business they wanted anyway, right? right? People who actually were more mission aligned. And so will it be painful for you to be courageous? It might be. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. You want to be the person in the story that everyone looks back and says, man, that person was courageous. Because you think about all the great stories, the Lord of the Rings or you know, the Narnia stories. It's the person who's courageous and goes to Mordor um, is the one that we all remember, not the person who stayed in their comfortable hobbit hole back yeah. in Hobbiton, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that all of us need to go to Mordor, but all of us need to be courageous if we want to be someone who's remembered in the story. And if we know the story writer, um, it's uh, he's calling us to be courageous. And so that's my encouragement to everybody is be courageous, go do something for someone else, and God will bless that. Yeah, man, totally great. And you guys are doing that at Red Balloon. So let's just say somebody's watching and they want to start a business or they have a business and they want to join up with Red Balloon. So how do they do that? Yeah, it's really straightforward. You go to redballoon.work, redballoon.work, not .com, because .com sounds too much like communists, and we don't want communists, we <laughs> want people who work. So redballoon.work, uh, go there, and you can sign up. It's straightforward. Uh, you will have to be approved by us, but we usually do that within a couple hours as long as it's during the working day. Um, and um, it's really fun. You know, we had 25 businesses sign up over the weekend. So we're seeing businesses who are eager to see um, great employees who want to work, who want to focus on bringing value to their company. Um, and we have like 100 job seekers that are signing up every day. So there's lots of um, growth and demand in this space. Uh, it's really straightforward. You go there, you sign up, 
you'll be approved. You can then post jobs. Every employer can post one job for free. And the reason I do that is because the job seeker is the most vulnerable person in this whole exchange. Mm -hmm. And I want as many job postings out there as possible. I don't want the price to slow them down. And then for $200 a month, you can post as many jobs as you'd like. And again, as I mentioned before, for $1,000 a month, only $1,000 a month, we will write your job postings, we will post your job postings, and we will actually filter your candidates and make sure they're going to be a great fit for your culture. Um, and the entrepreneurs that I talk to, small you know, business in Indianapolis, they're like, we need to hire like five or six people over the next six months. We don't even know how to interview people. And we're afraid if we hire the wrong person, it's going to wreck our business. Um, here's a quick stat for you. If you hire the wrong person, the cost of that mistake will be 30% of their first year salary. Wow. So if you hire someone at $50,000 a year and they were the wrong decision, you just cost yourself $15,000. So if we can help you not make those wrong decisions, but instead hire people who are going to be a blessing to your business, um, it is very, very relieving. That's for every single employee. So that's what we're doing today. And it's been really fun to be a blessing to these employers, to be a blessing to the job seekers. And we got more coming. So we're just getting going. Awesome. And then, okay, if you're looking for a job, so is that, give us kind of, I'm sure that's straightforward as well, but give us that kind of rundown. Yeah, 100%. It is very straightforward, and it's free. Um, all of the services for job seekers are free, except if you want a professional to write your resume for you or to come alongside and help you write your resume, um, we do have a service that you pay for for that. It's very reasonable, um, and you're going to have someone who's not going to encourage you to put any pronouns on there, but <laughs> encourage you to put the things on the resume that are going to get it past an ATS, which is an applicant tracking system that's going to make you more successful in your job search. So there's a small fee associated with that, but everything else for job seekers is free, um, including the video game pronoun landmine, which everybody can play at redballoon.work for free. Uh, it's based on a true story. One of my employees got uh, uh, stepped on a pronoun landmine at GE Health um, and now works at Red Balloon. And his son wrote me the game um, as a thank you for employing my dad, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. So you can go check out uh, the pronoun landmine game at redballoon.org. Yes. Okay. I love it. So now uh, Elon is over Twitter and you can just murder pronouns left and right. And you can do that on your job because of Red Balloon. So victory for everybody. So, man, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your courage um, because you've done uh, a little bit of that stepping into Mordor. I, I know what it's like uh, in a limited oh, yeah. fashion to kind of put your family on the line, to put your future on the line, and to step out and do a business. And just frankly, nothing changes unless we have people like you. So uh, so thank you for your courage, man. Thank you for your stance um, in faith, for Christ, and for um, not keeping that to yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Reed. It's been a fun conversation. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for being here. And thank you guys for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. Our thanks again to our guests for being on the show today. Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman was brought to you by our sponsors. If you like what you heard today, please do us a big favor and give it a five-star review and like it and share it with friends. And if you want to hear more awesome guests, make sure to check out past episodes. Indie Thinker is a nonprofit paid for by our sponsors and the generous gifts of people like you. In order to hear more great guests like you did today, please consider giving a tax-deductible gift by going to IndieThinker.org. And just remember, your voice matters, but infinitely more when you think for yourself. <laughs>